because of foreign wars we wage. It's more to do with the colors blue and red. Too many laws and too much government. Can you tell me where the Constitution went? Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread. So many people try to cross the border. Politicians build a new world order. Too many minds are convinced they should be led. I've got to be free the way God made men. And I won't be ruled by the damned. Right to self-defense. They say you're safe, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn in the guns. All the unions always ask for more. All the bodies made out of foreign shorts. Come a day when you'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free the way God made men. Today's broadcast of Tap into the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing, with all the usual caveats, of course. With you as always, I am your ever so humble and mostly peaceful host, Tim Tap, coming to you live tonight on WCET. Or if you happen to be listening on the last frequency, or possibly even over on tunein.com if you're tuning in. To the Vera Network. Uh, I'm also told that uh, you might even find us over on the Paranormal app, which, you know, I can't think of anything scarier these days than American politics, so it seems appropriate. <laughs> anyway, thanks for being here tonight. As always, I appreciate it. Uh, tonight, if you want to join and be part of the live action, get a little interaction, you can go on over to mewe.com, a great social platform. Uh, over there, there is a group designated for the last frequency, and I will see you there. Now, it might be a little lonely to start because our good friend, Arizona Antihero, or as we just affectionately refer to him as AZ, uh, he is not in the chat room. He's traveling. He's on the road, but he is listening in on the phone line that you, too, can listen into if you choose. Uh, I'm assuming, depending on where you might be listening, you may or may not need that information. So just in case, you may want to give a call to 631-359-9399 just to give us a listen. All right, so uh, guess what? Good news, boys and girls. 
You made it through Thanksgiving. You survived another bout with the in-laws. You managed to get past your turkey coma, and now you're probably struggling with leftover coma. Uh, not a terrible thing to have to deal with when you consider the situation that a lot of folks around the world are in. Uh, so uh, let's enjoy it while we can, all those many blessings. Now, I would uh, hold my breath for just a few more seconds. We were hoping to have a guest in the first hour. Not going to throw any names out there because I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but it kind of looks like maybe not going to happen. But you know what? It's all right because... We will carry on. That's what we do around here. It is officially the Christmas season now. As you know, Tap Into the Truth does not play Christmas tunes of any kind until after Thanksgiving because we do not skip major important holidays. But we are past it. And as many of you experienced your own version of Black Friday today, uh, hope you <laughs> at least enjoyed whatever time you had at home with the families not engaging in commercialism and mass consumerism. That's not what Christmas is about. Uh, and with all that having been said, yeah, let's get to talking about politics, shall we? Uh, here's something that I just, I really don't even know what I should be the angriest about. It's a two-tier story. Uh, the first tier, of course, has to do with American politics bleeding over into Canadian politics. But in this particular case, it has a lot to do with a concept that is not inherently belonging to the United States and was very much desired by a certain group of Canadian truckers. You guys remember back uh, when we were having the Freedom Convoy going on, when that was a major talking point? Well, at the very height of the Freedom Convoy, as these truckers were occupying Ottawa, Canada, uh, happens to be Canada's capital, turns out that the Biden administration was putting a great deal of pressure on Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau to try and shut the convoys down. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. seemed pretty upset that uh, that these convoys were operating. I would imagine he was afraid it might give ideas to American citizens who are more prone to protests than most Canadians are. Anyway, this particular revelation that the Biden administration was involved, it came from an investigation into Trudeau's decision to use these so-called Emergencies Acts. That, of course, is what replaced the War Measures Act back in 1988. Never been used before, but it was used to shut down the truckers' occupation this past February 14th. Uh, you guys probably remember that pretty vividly. It's not that long ago. Now, my big concern here is that we saw Trudeau tip his hand. The global leftists undoubtedly, unquestionably want to impose a level of tyranny that the world has never seen. We saw Trudeau take actions that interfered, and I'm being kind using that word, with everyone's capability to send and transfer funds. 
that shut down banks and bank accounts in Canada and definitely put pressure on GoFundMe-type organizations that were trying to send money to these folks who were doing nothing more than trying to help their freedom-minded friends and neighbors across the great north border. They were trying to cut them off. They were trying to starve them. They were trying to end their liberty, and they did this also through the banking. You guys remember Miss Freeland, Canada's finance minister, when she was asserting that the banks and other financial institutions in Canada had the authority to temporarily cease providing financial services where the institution was suspecting that an account was being used to further the illegal blockades and the occupations. You remember that? I do. All of the changes and charges and all of the different forms of transactions, they were stopped dead in their tracks. Whether they could prove it had anything to do with crowdfunding platforms or an attempt to help finance the blockades or not. Freeland received a call from Brian Deese just a few days before the final crackdown on the 14th. Uh, in fact, February 10th was the actual date. Now, Brian Deese probably sounds familiar to you if you follow politics closely, but just in case you don't, Deese is the director of the National Economic Council and Biden's top economic advisor. Freeland emailed her staff that they are very, very, very worried, referring to Biden's top economic advisor. According to a report in the Politico, this email said, quote, if this is not sorted out in the next 12 hours, all of their northeastern car plants will shut down. Now, did you catch that? All of the northeastern car plants will shut down? Uh, was that an explanation of what happens when there's a convoy? Or was that a veiled threat? Freeland then requested that uh, Deese set up a call between Biden and Trudeau. He would try to make it happen, according to the quote from this email that was sent to her staff. Then Brian Clough, Trudeau's deputy chief of staff, had already heard from the White House officials, including Juan Gonzalez, a special assistant to the president and the National Security Council senior director for the Western Hemisphere. Again, this from Politico. Biden and Trudeau spoke on February 11th. After that conversation, Clow asserted to Freeland that there were two men who spoke about American influence on convoy, including, quote, money, people, and political-slash-media support. U.S. Transportation Security Pete Buttigieg reportedly, see, we're trying to be uh, journalistic here, reportedly contacted Canadian Transportation Minister Omar Al-Harabar? <laughs> Sorry, Omar, uh, my East Tennessee tongue doesn't always do well. Uh, urging Omar 
to create a plan to resolve the issue with the convoy. Now, Canadian Transport Minister Omar, with the last name I'm not going to attempt again, told the commission that in investigating the issue, that the call was unusual. So, how unusual is it? It's not the kind of thing that should happen. At what point should we be looking at the presidential administration of the United States trying to interfere, trying to intervene in the Freedom Tracker convoys? I don't understand. I don't think anybody should let this just pass by the way. This same public inquiry, though, by the way, involving Trudeau's declaration of martial law, which is, this. let's be fair, no matter what laws or acts he cited, that's what he did. He declared martial law in order to shut down the Freedom Convoy. This same inquiry has also revealed that he, Justin, along with several liberal ministers, discussed the possibility of using war machines against the peaceful protesters. We're talking about people who had simply gathered inside the nation's capital to protest medical tyranny and vaccination mandates. They literally considered using tanks against these truckers. This still coming from the political reports. They talked about the federal government had partially waived cabinets uh, confidence for the purposes of the inquiry. So then by providing these Canadians with a glimpse into what actually happened, all the machinations of the state, everything that they were thinking behind Trudeau's unprecedented use of this so-called Emergencies Act. The Valentine's Day gift that just keeps on giving to the Canadian people. They considered using tanks. They considered treating these people who were a prime example of what a peaceful protest actually looks like. It wasn't mostly peaceful. It wasn't fiery, but mostly peaceful. It was very peaceful, but it was inconvenient for a lot of folks. Now, I thought the left liked it when protesters created inconvenience for everyone else. Obviously, they don't like being inconvenienced themselves, and they certainly don't like being upstaged, and they very, very certainly don't like the idea of somebody coming along and telling them, oh, no, sorry, but you run the country because we allow it. You know, governance through the consent of the governed. Now, I know that's not necessarily guaranteed outside of the United States, and to be honest, that guarantee has not exactly been well kept in recent years here in the United States. But it is still a concept that most Western civilizations hold very dear. This is not me reading the early pages or the backstory of the latest utopian novel. 
This isn't me delving headlong into backstory that's an afterthought in, in 1984 or, or Brave New World or even Animal Farm, for that matter. But it might as well be. We are talking about a level of tyranny that to this point in Western civilization has not been matched. Tyrant Trudeau showed his colors. And now we're finding out that he was willing, that he was prepared. If it wasn't for cooler heads in the room, he would have used tanks against his own people who were doing nothing more than a simple protest. And we find out, ladies and gentlemen, here in the United States, that the Biden administration was elbow deep in trying to make this happen. Elbow deep into forcing the ending of this for the reason, the very reason that they didn't want people here seeing the success of average everyday citizens, the workaday Canadians, in pushing back against vaccine mandates and in simply pushing back against a government that they have the right to elect, therefore they have the right to remove. Now, you can say what you like. You can insinuate whatever you like. It doesn't matter. The only thing that really matters here is that as this information comes through, Justin Trudeau should face not just removal, but he should face criminal charges. And there should be some accountability to the Biden administration here for their interference in what was, by all appearances, a completely and totally lawful demonstration in Canada, just out of fear of how it would spill over. Because there was major support here in the United States for these Canadian truckers. There was major support, and people were taking notes. They were creating the playbook. It is unacceptable that this happened. It's unacceptable for the Canadian people that they had to endure it, and it is even more unacceptable for both the Canadian people and the American people that we had such clear, clear and undeniable interaction with these decisions being made, that we pressured them into being made, that that was what we wanted. Shut it down, the Biden administration says. Shut it down. You're a truck driver. You're not anyone important. We don't care that you have rights. You don't have the right to tell us no. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. Even if you are somebody that typically leans to the left of the political spectrum, even if you lean pretty far to it, even you have to be able to recognize the danger involved in this type of activity. How could you not? But hey, guess what? If you're not thinking that that's dystopian enough for you, have you heard the latest out of San Francisco? Oh, our friends and neighbors out in the wacky wild, wild west, they've come up with a whole new level of dystopian future. We might as well be watching RoboCop. 
the San Francisco authorities have proposed a brand new policy that looks like it's headed for approval as early as next week that literally would license department robots to kill suspects who threaten the lives of citizens and police officers in the crime-ridden city. The dirty, nasty, crime-ridden, homeless, although many of them are just panhandlers pretending to be homeless, uh, poop-filled cities. Got your poop app. If, if you are a tourist going to San Francisco, make sure you download your poop app before you go. Otherwise, you may be cleaning off the bottom of your shoes. But, but that's not the worst part now. We have made fun of the poop app for a while. Guess what? Now we literally have to be concerned about whether or not a freaking robot working for the San Francisco Police Department has the ability to actually decide for itself whether or not it can kill you. Now, the San Francisco Police Department drafted the blueprint for officers to use its military-style weapons, which I thought is something they don't want the police to have if you're in one of these lefty areas. These military-style weapons, which includes 17 remote-controlled robots available in its inventory that are typically used for defusing bombs or surveilling areas that are a little too difficult for the authorities to access. Uh, <laughs> well, at least we're prepared for some emergency going on over here. Hit him up with a uh, chemical C fire extinguisher, rest their uh, to uh, to corrosion their the metal. <laughs> Maybe so. Now you can say what you want to. Now I did go a little over the top. It's definitely not rise of the machines here. These are still the remote control, but that still means that they're just wanting an additional tool that is okay for the local cops to kill you with when you have no chance to defend yourself. Now, if you're some hardened criminal, uh, maybe you got it coming. But what if, and, and just stay with me for a second, what if you're an innocent bystander? What if you just happen to be in the wrong place at the wrong time? Or... Or get this, here's a crazy scenario which in no way ever happened to anyone that I personally know. What if you're visiting the great city of San Francisco uh, from out of town? <laughs> uh, the Cajun's got his uh, tinfoil hat on and then now he's shielding himself in the whole nine. <laughs> Fridays are a special time around here, boys and girls. Um, if you happen to be visiting from some place like, I don't know, let's say the state of Tennessee, and you happen to see some guy who's acting like he's homeless. And again, you can't tell for sure because we we encountered on my visit multiple folks who were, in fact, not homeless, but who panhandled because they knew they can get away with it and the cops wouldn't rouse them any. But you see this guy who's at the very least pretending to be homeless, and he's bullying up on some young lady and trying to force her into giving him money and other stuff. And I don't know, again, say you're someplace like Tennessee, that you're from, Georgia, uh, Alabama, any place where men are still at least quasi-manly and have a sense of chivalry. Let's say you're one of those guys, and you go up and you're telling the guy, back off, keep your mitts off this lady. That's not how you treat a lady. 
move along, or at the very least, pick on somebody your own freaking size. And wackiness ensues at that point. Well, are you going to trust that the local police remote controlling this particular little robot is not going to shoot you? I don't know. I don't know. I'm getting a wink and a nod from uh, Doug in the control room telling me that we do have a backup guest for the first hour coming on board. Um, we'll real quick uh, say hello to him, and then we'll cut to our mid-hour break. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. The man who runs and operates Conservative Daily Briefing, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Ken Crow. Ken, hey, thanks for jumping in and pinch-hitting for our a previously hoped for guest, and how was your Thanksgiving? Well, I, I did a lot of mechanicing yesterday. I kept putting rear ends in Lazy Boys, <laughs> and uh, I OD'd on tryptophan, fell asleep, of course. Had a great day. <laughs> it was a great day. Watched some football. Yeah, it was good all the way around. All right. I'm glad you had a great holiday because that is uh, one of the few occasions we have uh, set aside and dedicated to the idea of setting back, slowing down, appreciating family and all of the blessings we've had. And uh, if nothing else, it is a blessing, despite what folks on the left would tell you, to just be here in the United States. But for those of us who have great families and have a great opportunity to spend time with them, it's phenomenal. Uh, like I said, thanks for uh, pinch hitting. We're going to go ahead and take our mid-hour break. And then on the other side, uh, we can uh, kind of re uh, rehash some of the stuff I've been talking about because I actually would love to get your opinion on this stories that uh, we were talking about up until now. Uh, so all you listeners out there, stay where you're at. We'll be back after this very brief break. I'm Ron Edwards, host of the Edwards Notebook, and you're listening to Tim Tap and Tap Into the Truth. When government officials must resort to lying on their political opposition, the only logical conclusion is that they do not care about the well-being of this republic. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee, since January 6, 2021, elitist Republicans and leftist Democrats have been giving a Roman-style thumbs down to individuals who were in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, some of them who remain in the gulag prisons never even entered into the Capitol building. One of the January 6th patriots, Jim Caldwell, never went into the Capitol, but yet he was arrested at 4 a.m. in the morning, taken to prison and tortured. They released him because he almost died. The same January 6th committee had no problem in 2020 when Antifa and BLM thugs were burning cities, destroying minority-owned businesses, etc., etc., just recently, the J6 committee released an audio they claimed to be Oath Keepers at the Capitol sharing intelligence. Turns out the J6 committee accusations is a big fat lie and that it was a recording of people watching the news on TV. Thus, the J6 committee deserves to be completely discredited and the release of all January 6th political prisoners should commence immediately. I'm 
Ron Edwards. Check out the Ron Edwards American Experience via theronedwards.com. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acidic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Now, the rest of the story. His name was Wade Morrison. 100 years ago, early in the 1880s, He was a young pharmacist working at a drugstore in rural Retreat, Virginia. The drugstore was owned by a local physician, a rather stern old fellow, but a fair employer. And Wade was in love with his employer's daughter. Irredeemably infatuated, young Wade Morrison arrived early at church every Sunday just so he could be standing at the door as she walked inside. Passing her house, Wade always strolled slowly, hoping for a glimpse of his beloved, or perhaps even a wave, should she be sitting on the front porch. Wade Morrison racked his lovesick brain for a way to get and hold the attention of his employer's lovely young daughter. And when next she did come into the drugstore, it all happened quite naturally. He said, good afternoon, and she answered with the same words, and she was smiling, And he stepped behind the soda fountain, proudly announced that he'd been experimenting and he had invented a special soda just for her. Artfully combining a variety of fruit flavors, he prepared the delightful concoction. She, blushing, said that she was flattered. And so Wade's one-way romance blossomed into a mutual one. He asked if he might call on her. Happily, she granted his request. And within weeks, their relationship intensified. He was about to propose when the whole world caved in on top of Wade Morrison. The girl's father, Wade's employer, came into the drugstore one morning, said he wanted to have a word with a young pharmacist. He said, I'll get right to the point. He said, I don't want you seeing my daughter anymore. And then the stern old physician explained his reasoning, the predictable protest that his little girl was too young to make up her own mind. And then a rather rather cruel postscript to the effect that when his daughter was old enough, surely she would have the good sense to entertain a more worthy suitor, a lawyer perhaps, or should she be so lucky, a respected physician like her father. The next day, the unhappy young pharmacist was packed and gone from rural retreat, gone west, never ever to return. Runaway Wade Morrison's broken heart did mend. He settled in Waco, Texas, eventually owned his own drugstore there. Respected in his community, happily he married a Texas girl. His life in the West proved even more rewarding than it could ever have been elsewhere. And strangely, he owed it all to that stern old Virginia physician who had refused to have him for a son-in-law. It was appropriate then, was it not? That the most popular soda invented and served in Wade Morrison's own drugstore, the soda that he had first concocted for his long-lost love, was named after his boyhood employer.
And as surely as he never forgot that first painful, wonderful love of his young life, he was never going to let you forget her father, the man whose callous disapproval ultimately drove a young pharmacist to a success that otherwise he could never have known. It was not just a made-up name. There really was a stubborn old Virginia physician named Dr. Pepper. Only now you know the rest of the story. Hi, this is Derek Kenny, and you're listening to Tap Into the Truth. This Friday nights here on WCETFM in Columbia, South Carolina, that is running rubshot over the TuneIn app over at the Vera Network, and of course, last but certainly not least. Broadcasting worldwide on the last frequency. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Friday Night Live broadcast of Tap Into the Truth. Thank you so much for being here, and thank you so much for sharing this holiday weekend as we extend it all weekend long. And uh, a special thank you to my friend, Ken Crow, who has joined us. Ken, again, thank you so much for uh, slipping right on in here and pinch hitting for a scheduled guest who had to drop out. Uh, so happy to have you here, though, my friend. And uh, before we go any further, please let everybody know where they can find your work. Oh, my goodness. Uh, at KWR Crow on Twitter or conservativedailybriefing.com. All right. And uh, Real America's Voice News. I'm on there quite frequently. I think they have three of my articles on the front page right now. As a matter of fact, well, I, and uh, I'm working on I'm working on one right now that you're going to be very intrigued with. Yeah, I've done quite a bit of research today. Yes, it <laughs> seems Biden is not actually running our nation. Uh, were you aware, I'm not going to change subject off of what you wanted to talk about, but I just thought I'd mention this to you. I did a bit of research today. Do you know that out of the top 100 employees, including the cabinet and the Biden administration, I'm talking about chief of staff and on and on and on, the top 100 employees in the West Wing, 74 of them were in the Biden administration. Chart of the Obama administration. Right. I didn't realize the number was quite that high, but I knew there was quite a few. I'm sorry? I'm sorry, Ken. I didn't catch you. I said, uh, you want to know who Obama's top contributors were? George Soros donated over $10 to his presidential campaign and donated millions to his state Senate race when he was running for state Senate in Illinois. Right. Basically, George Soros is running our country right now. Is in effect what's going on. He donated millions upon millions upon millions to Biden's election as well. Well, again... It is not that surprising to find out. It just sounds a little shocking when you hear it out loud, but 
You know, uh, we've had plenty of suspicions for a while. I've been calling that out. I know you've written about the topic before as well. It's just, it it really is uh, daunting when you think about how deep it runs. Because like I said, we, we've known for a while that there are a lot of the members of the former uh, Obama administration that are working as uh, part of why a lot of us have referred to this as the uh, Obama administration uh, 3.0 basically being his uh, third yeah. administration. But, uh, yeah, when you look at the numbers being that deep and, and that many, and then you see how much money is involved, it, it, it's even more scary if you know anything at all about George Soros, which, you know, he's the big boogeyman, uh, Ken. We're not really supposed to talk about George Soros. We get shut down and we get uh, called conspiracy theorists. We even get called anti-Semitic when we try to call him out, despite the fact that I don't know very many uh, less Jewish Jews than George Soros. I don't know of any more Jews that actually worked for the Hitler administration in World War II than George Soros. <laughs> so I, I don't know, man. Yeah, you, you knew he worked for Hitler. He was part of Hitler's youth corps that went from house to house of Jewish homes and seized their artwork and things, their money and jewelry and things like that before they hauled them off to the camps. Yeah, he's yeah. an evil man, a very, very evil man. Anyway, I don't, I don't want to get you sidetracked. I had no idea. What were you talking about tonight? <laughs> well, in this first hour, I was talking about our wonderful dystopian present. Uh, uh, yeah, it, it's it's surprising. I got two topics that I'd kind of touched on already. Would love to get your takes on both before we get to sure. the end of this hour. Number one, uh, there's, of course, this investigation going on in Canada involving the lead up to uh, Justin Trudeau's effort to crush the Freedom Convoys, and we've learned two things that are pretty upsetting to me. Uh, number one, the fact that Trudeau was ready and prepared to use tanks and other full-blown military options to try and crush this, despite it being extremely peaceful. And number two, it seems like the timing involved an awful lot of pressure from the Biden administration. Interesting. Well, obviously, Biden wanted to crush it so that it didn't take hold here. I mean, he, he couldn't afford for Washington, D.C. to be shut down by, you know, 36,842 tractor trailers. You know, that'd be bad for business. But uh, that would be my initial response to that, that obviously Biden was afraid that it would. And it was taking hold here. And uh, they just didn't get quite the turnout that they wanted. But, yeah, they uh, they had a couple of weeks there where they would drive around the Beltway all day long. Uh, but they didn't really impede a whole lot and do a lot of damage. They just drove around. But, um, yeah, it would have been bad if you had had 10 or 20,000 of those guys show up on the Beltway. That would have been real bad. Yeah, it's, it's still just – it sticks in my craw, though, Ken, because you know, we keep being lectured by these people about how bad it is when other countries interfere with our politics. Uh, and yet we know that there's always interference from other countries. Uh, there has not been a presidential election in modern history that Russia and China and even 
England and Israel haven't tried to influence in some way. Uh, it's just uh, the same thing as with spying. We know we've got spies, and, and they have spies. We have them planted amongst our enemies, and we have them planted amongst our friends. It's something that just happens because everybody needs to know what's really happening behind closed doors in order to make the best decisions for how they're going to proceed. Uh, some of these people we paint as being evil. Some of them we paint as being heroes, and that has a lot to do with what side of the street you're on. But at the end of the day, the, the fact here that out of pure panic at the notion that some average, ordinary, everyday citizen who drives a truck for a living could stand so strongly against those who are supposed to be running the government and to make so much of an impression that people from other countries were attempting to send the money until the government figured that out and tried to shut that down too. And it had everything to do with the Biden administration because Trudeau and company were not talking about establishing some type of deadline until suddenly that became an established point from the Biden administration. They said, get this shut down, get it shut down quick. Four days later, they took the unprecedented move of basically declaring martial law. Yeah, I, I watched that because uh, they had a lot of live streams going on the internet. You know, everybody now has a cell phone, and they were all on Facebook live streaming it. And I did watch some of that from, where was that at? Ottawa, I believe. Yeah. And uh, the ground was covered in snow, and these guys were out there with 50-gallon drum barrels and had fires going in them, and, you know, were singing Kumbaya. Yeah, you know, you you got to let the people occasionally voice their opinion and their disapproval if something's going on. You, you've got to allow that. And if you don't allow that, what you do is create tremendous resentment from the people toward the government. You know, as long as it's peaceful, which these guys were, they weren't burning anything, they weren't torching any businesses, they weren't bothering anybody other than jamming up some traffic. Um, you you got to let them do it. And Biden was panic-stricken, obviously, and, and the administration was panic-stricken, and they said, hey, you got to put this down. We, we can't allow this. They they were even, they blocked. I talked to a couple of friends of mine in Detroit, and they actually blocked that peace bridge for a number of hours on one of those days leading from Detroit over into Canada. They blocked it all off and jammed up traffic. And then they, the police, of course, went in there and said, all right, you guys move or else, <laughs> you know, we'll move you. We'll move it for you if you don't want to move it. And they ended up opening it back up. But, yeah, you, you got to, Tim, you, you got to let the people voice occasionally. You may not like what they have to say. It was like this guy this, this morning on Facebook posted, you know, he posted a meme of a burning American flag and said, do you want to see it? Uh, you want to see burning the flag as a felony? And I said, no. And I think he got real upset with me. I said, because... The Supreme Court said it's a it's it, it's an evidentiary of freedom of speech. Well, my job as a veteran 
and my oath that I took as a veteran is support the Constitution. And if the Constitution reads that that is a voice of speech, you know, that's an element of free speech, then I have to protect that. I don't like it. I don't like what somebody may have to say, but I'll defend their right to say it. Because if you start squashing free speech, which we've seen with Facebook and Twitter and these other social media sites and the the news from the alphabet networks and stuff, if we start squashing free speech, then we no longer have freedom. I may not like what you have to say. It may just stick in my crawl and anger me to the boiling point, but I'll defend your right to say it. Yeah. That used to be the mantra of the, well, what we have to call now the classical liberal, because the people that claim the mantle of real liberal now are really just far leftist extremists, and they're not really liberal at all. It's very much. Uh, we don't care what you have to say, and we will do everything in our power to squash your ability to say it. <laughs> the exact opposite of well, what liberal values used to be. Uh, I, in fact, it's sad that you have to talk to conservatives to find classical liberal values now. It's, it's very disappointing and very anti-American. And that brings me to this other aspect of this dystopian present that we're living in, and I was talking about this just before you came on, which is finishing up, and that is the fact that the San Francisco Police Department is now trying to get approval, and it looks like it's going to get approved, and may very well be as early as next week. They want to be able to uh, kill people using their robots. Uh, they're, they're talking about these remote control. Uh, some of them are used for bomb squad work. Others are used for surveillance they want to be able to set these folks up for remote sniper action as well. And given where we're at with raising the AI, I don't think I'm being too much of an alarmist to say, first of all, you're you're taking the police work that may require occasionally shooting a suspect uh, from being that I'm a person pulling the trigger, so I have to be okay with this situation, to being somebody who essentially is playing a video game and dehumanizing the whole thing and that's just where it starts <laughs> and Doug in the uh, uh, the control room uh, jotted me a quick message saying they should be using the robots robots to clean up all the crap uh, out of the streets Get, we don't need the poop app anymore if we don't have poop on the streets of San Francisco <laughs> not a bad point actually Doug but uh, your thoughts on mechanizing and using these military-style weapons when at the same time we're being lectured by the same people that you shouldn't have a magazine over 10 rounds or a semi-automatic weapon because that's a machine of war. I can't think of anything more frightening. I mean, that that's straight, what was that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where he played this robot cop, you know? That's... Uh, that's absolutely frightening. That, that's wow. I had not heard that. I, Tim, you're, you're a hundred percent correct. I mean, there's a, as you know, my son's a in law enforcement and, uh, he's told me many stories where, you know, he's been face to face with, he's had to pull his weapon and, uh, 
the other guy's got a weapon, the bad guy's got a weapon, he's got a gun. And uh, they end up talking, you know, the bad guy down and uh, giving him to, you know, drop his weapon and put his hands behind his back and all ends well, you know, except the guy's got to go before a judge now. But with a robot and some guy sitting, you know, 12 miles away in a control room watching all this on video, how do you... I, you you have to have a humanitarian aspect. The guy with the gun may very well just be extraordinarily upset because his wife just left him, took their daughter, went to the grandma's house, and now he's very despondent, and he just needs somebody to talk him down. He doesn't need to be shot and killed. Yeah. Yeah, meanwhile, I've I got mean, Doug playing uh, Domo Arigato, Mr. Roboto from Sticks in the background. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I remember that one. 1977, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, great song. Anyway, uh, I, I don't know, Tim. I kind of take your thought processes on it. I mean, that, that's just part of being a cop is being a humanitarian. You know, you help people. Yeah. You you don't just run around shooting people for the thrill of it, you know. You're out there to help people and save lives, not just take life. Right. I, it, I think that's a bad deal. I really do. That's a very bad deal. I think in that particular situation, the more layers you put between people, the more you dehumanize it, the less good you're going to do. And the cheaper life becomes. Now, uh, it, it's very dystopian to me. I mean, if you look at the uh, RoboCop movie series, uh, I don't think that was Arnold Schwarzenegger in those, but uh, whether you're looking at the original, I think there were three runs, and then the reboot later, uh, the, the one thing that keeps shining through is that was the message. The more you let the machines do, uh, the less good that's going to come from it and the more corruption is easy to, to work into the system because whoever's pushing the buttons from far away is going to be able to do whatever they want. But then uh, when RoboCop in these movies started remembering who he was, that changed his whole perception to the point of even overriding the program. But uh, all that said aside, the, the fear to me is how easy has it become in the age of military drones to just pull a trigger from miles away and, and just play this out like, okay, well, there's the bad guy uh, in my video game. I, I, that's really the way this is starting to feel to me. And I would like to think that every uh, police officer that's on board with this, and I'd even like to think that the politicians that are on board with it are looking at the aspect of saying, well, we're trying to pol uh, protect police officers and we're trying to protect civilians. And if that's the case, I understand the argument, but I still think this is a move in the wrong direction. Do they really have so much crime in San Francisco and so many daily murders that they, you know, I can almost make an argument for putting one on the streets of Chicago <laughs> I don't know about San Francisco. I mean, they, that's uh, man. I don't know. 
I, 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 that's concerning. That's very concerning. And I hope somebody with cooler heads is able to prevail next week and get that deal shot down. Yeah, that's part of why I wanted to make sure we got this story out tonight, and I hope other people will pick it up before San Francisco gets to make a final decision, because I do tend to think that the people of the city of San Francisco will not like this idea and can put the necessary pressure on their politicians to keep it from happening. But yeah, if they put this in place and they can claim the least bit of success, you know it's only going to be a matter of months at best before we see it in places like Chicago and Detroit, which, of course, Detroit's where RoboCop was set, so that would seem appropriate uh, and somewhat ironic at the same time. It, it still comes down to this, what is the primary objective? And again, is there still such a thing now, uh, Ken? Because I don't think there is. I think we're well past it. But such a thing as unintended consequences. I think everybody knows now exactly what to expect is step one, step two, step three. I think this just becomes one more step down uh, uh, to the ladder that you're climbing to that top of the hill so that we can get pushed down the slippery slope all over again. Well, you, you can clearly see it at a lot of levels. And, uh, you know, it, it's... Tim, the the very thought of going down that road should be horrifying. And you're absolutely correct in your assessment that this is just one more step. You know, now now once they test this thing in San Francisco, what's to stop them now from, you know, having martial law when something happens and sending a hundred of these things into a city? to to uh, enforce martial law. If you're caught on the street, it shoots you, you know. It, it, I don't like it. I don't like it a bit. I don't, I don't like it a bit. I think the more I think about it, and I'm sitting here thinking about this, you know, since you brought it up, it, it's very, very troubling in that it is a slippery slope, and it's one step closer to dehumanizing, and it puts up a barrier between us and our our judicial system, our law enforcement, our country, our representatives. It it puts up another barrier, and that's not good. It's not good at all. Yeah, it also serves as a uh, a substitution for due process again, too. And we know the folks on the left are not big fans of due process, but uh, if we give that up, then we are no longer the constitutionally federated republic that we were meant to be. The presumption of innocence until proven otherwise has to remain at the core. And what concerns me more than anything, I threw out the scenario right before you came on, what if you happen to be visiting the city of San Francisco and you happen to be from a part of the country where we still say ma'am and still say grace and and we show up there and we see some uh, homeless-looking person, and I say looking again because I know there's a lot of panhandlers out there that only pretend to be homeless, and they know that the cops aren't going to give them grief because they're not allowed to. But you see that happening, and they're uh, bullying up on some woman to try to get the money, and being a southern gentleman, you step up and you uh, interject yourself. 
because this is something that I actually had happened on one of our trips to San Francisco when we were working a trade show back in the day. And it, it just occurs to me, if a cop is sitting somewhere down the road remote controlling one of these robots, uh, what happens when they are under their mindset order that they have to protect that homeless person? They take a shot at you when all you were doing was defending the honor of an innocent person who had no business being harassed in the first place. And if the police were doing their actual jobs, that was what not would not have been necessary at all. That's a pretty frightening scenario. And I could see it happening. Because the cop is not there to hear the words, to hear what was said, to know what was actually going on. He just caught it halfway through and decided to inject the robot. Yeah, I could see that happening. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just it's, uh, having been there. And I guess that's part of why it really bothers me, because as an outsider having visited San Francisco, I can say two really great things about the city. It is beautiful and it is culturally significant. And then I can say a, if you'll forgive the, the pun, a crap ton of bad things going on out there. And it's literally a, a ton of crap on the streets. Now it wasn't as bad when I went there, but it was starting to happen. And this hands off approach and not caring, trying to get mentally ill people off of the streets. They, they treat them like, they have every right to to run the city streets that's detrimental to business it's detrimental to uh, tourism and it's detrimental to law and order i think san francisco's biggest legal issues right now though are still the smash and grab run uh, organized uh, uh, what's the word here um anyway they're just running into these stores and stealing stuff uh shoplifting yeah only organized shoplifting at large amounts it's crazy. Ken, are, are you going to hang around with us uh, into the second hour? I will hang as long as you want me to hang. All right, sir. We've got a few more topics I wanted to get to, and we'd love to have you uh, chime in on those, too. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, stay right where you're at. Uh, hour number one is in the can. Uh, hour number two starts here in just a little bit. Don't go anywhere. Second Skull is a protective headgear company with a patented line of impact-reducing products. At Second Skull, we focus on head protection as our only priority so that we can be the absolute best at it. With an estimated 2.8 million Americans sustaining a traumatic brain injury each year and a half a million children being treated in the ERH year for a head injury, there have been recent declines in athletic participation levels. 
We believe that concerns and fears of head injuries are factors contributing to these declines in activity levels. Second Skull has protection for every sport and for every athlete. Our product line of thin, lightweight, breathable, and practical solutions are each tested at independent and accredited laboratories. These products are patented and proven. Where have you always wanted to go? Chances are you've had a dream honeymoon destination in mind for years. What if we told you we could get you there? Later in April 2015, we got married in Nashville. So we were trying to figure out what registry to do and then heard about Honey Fund. So we put it on the website and lo and behold, one by one, all of our gifts were fulfilled. Even the fruity drinks for Carmen and the entire Honey Fund. With Honey Fund, the world's most trusted online wedding registry, your honeymoon is our business. With no platform fees, you can set up your custom cash-powered registry page quickly, easily, and budget-friendly. Despite the name, we offer more than just honeymoons. That's right, you can use Honey Fund for wedding funds, a home down payment, charity registry, or any savings goal. Whatever you need to start your marriage right, we're here to ensure your future is bright. We've helped more than a million couples just like you make their dreams come true. Here's how it all works. Step one, create. Using our design tools, you can create a custom Honey Fund page as unique as your love. Whether you create a wish list of experiences or choose a simple donation box, you'll get cash in your bank account for a small processing fee. You can also register for zero-fee gift cards from nearly 200 popular travel, dining, and shopping brands. Step 2. Share. Once you've completed your personal Honey Fund page, share the page with friends, family, and wedding guests. Honey Fund can be your main wedding webpage or link to a wedding website of your choice. And if you're ever stuck, our five-star customer service team can show you how. Step 3. Receive. With your unique link, your guests will be able to donate easily, eliminating the hassle of finding a gift and allowing you to take that trip, make that down payment, or do whatever else you've chosen to receive. Unlike other cash registry sites, there's never a fee to guests on HoneyFund. The best part? HoneyFund is free to try. So what are you waiting for? You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Stop dreaming and start your forever journey by setting up your free cash-powered wedding registry today. Being stocks designed specifically for people who haven't started investing yet or don't know how to do it or haven't been trained how to do it or are worried about investing in the stock market that they've never done before. It's a robo-advisor system that really simplifies the investing process. The challenge we all have is that as you work and you grow in your career, you have to put something aside for yourself when you retire, around 65 years old. And the idea of Beanstalks is to simplify that whole process. In other words, put aside 10% of your salary each week, maybe just $100, and let it go to work in the stock market for you. And what Beanstalk does is basically automate that process for you. Easy to set up. You can transfer directly to your bank account and put it into exchange-traded funds, which are baskets of many stocks, which gives you diversification. That's the whole key. The idea that you can have this done for you weekly or bi-monthly 
But the most important thing is to start now and make it so that you are putting something aside for your own retirement. Beanstalks just makes it really simple to do. Hello, my name is Tyler Boone, singer-songwriter and founder of the award-winning Homegrown Boone's Bourbon label out of Charleston, South Carolina. We're here today at the Whiskey House in the Gaslamp District of San Diego, where they hold the Guinness World Record for the most whiskeys in a bar, with over 3,700 whiskeys for you to choose from. In just four years, Boone's Bourbon has been awarded some incredible awards, such as the Platinum Los Angeles, Double Gold New York, Gold Las Vegas, Silver Denver, and also named Top Six in the World in Forbes. We're also being featured in Rolling Stone magazine, Billboard magazine, American Songwriter, and we're also now available in 24 states all across the country. So Boone's Bourbon is a high-proof, cash-strength bourbon at 117 proof. We are 75 corn, 21 rye, 4 barley, and at our price point, we're beating the competition at $40 in the retail stores. Boone's Bourbon is a family-owned business out of Charleston, South Carolina with my father, Mick Boone. Cheers, and we hope to see you soon. This is Tim Tapp, host of Tap Into The Truth. We are rocking the Casbah this Friday night. Thank you so much for being here live wherever you're listening at or even if you're listening to the podcast after the fact on any of the great platforms, uh, Stitcher's still knocking it out of the park right now, far and away. Now nearly double all other platforms combined. What's going on, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcast? Come on. Uh, you guys used to at least put up a fight. But uh, well done, Stitcher listeners. Well done. And keep it up. Don't let them catch you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are, of course, rocking the Casbah and uh, trying to tap into the truth as we get through Friday evening together. It's Black Friday, uh, not a racial thing. It's a businesses getting into the black and try to be profitable at the end of the year thing. I know some folks still don't get that. Our public education system is really letting a lot of people down here. All right, I've got on with me uh, my good friend, the owner and purveyor of Conservative Daily Briefing. Uh, He is here, Mr. Ken Crow. As always, I appreciate him. And the next topic we're going to talk about has a lot to do with the fact that this, this past Thanksgiving, just Thursday, the headquarters of Focus on the Family, you know, the Christian organization that, you know, strangely enough, focuses on family values. Well, they were vandalized. A, uh, a mass shooting, of course, had occurred in a nightclub in Colorado, happened to be a gay club. Uh, and as 
Jerry Seinfeld would say, not that there's anything wrong with that, but uh, <laughs> the, the thing here is the phrases, their blood is on your hands and five lives taken were among many other forms of vandalism that were showing up in various places, including the sign in the front of the building that has the logo for Focus on the Family. I, uh, I've had my say on this topic already about how the media was portraying it, but the fact that after this narrative fell apart, the shooter, whose name I will not say on my program because... We know most of the people that perform acts of mass shooting are looking for notoriety more so than anything else. This guy has now declared himself to be non-binary. And yet the folks on the left are all like, well, are, are we sure about that? Is this just some kind of defense? And I'm saying, uh-uh-uh. That's not the rules you set. We were told not that long ago we're not allowed to question whether or not some teenage boy in high school might decide, I'm going to say that I'm trans today so I can go into the girls' locker room for any reason other than the fact that I'm actually trans. There's no way that some hormone-riddled young man might say, this is a great excuse to go into the locker room and, and see some stuff I'm not supposed to see. No, 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 no. We're, we're not allowed to do that. So, folks, uh, if you happen to be somebody on the left, you're not allowed to question this young man's determination, or I'm sorry, this young they's determination that they there are, in fact, non-binary, because if you make up these silly games, you're going to win silly prizes, and that's where we're at. But the fact that folks on the left are still acting out as if someone is responsible for this, Focus on the family is far from the first person or group of people that you should be looking at in this situation. They now are trying to move past this story, and they've tried to latch on to something else. But even that's falling apart because this guy who was throwing the brick in the nightclub in uh, New York, I think it was, turns out he was gay. And he was just mad at another patron that he knew was in that club. So... The left is still desperately trying to pretend like all conservatives, and in particular Christians, hate gay people. And turns out that doesn't even seem to be the target in either one of these instances. Uh, Ken, uh, your thoughts on the vandalism at Focus on the Family's headquarters? Well, I think it's just further proof that, uh, you know, this is going to be out there for some people that are non-believers, I guess. But uh, it's just a further depiction of the war that's going on between good and evil in our nation and, and globally, for that matter. Uh, it, it's good and evil, Tim. I mean, you, you have... Good people and you have bad people, and there seems to be something happening in our society with mental illness. I, I, I'm not a psychologist. I can't put my finger on it, but I have to believe that it has something to do with the stress levels that your average Americans are under today. I mean, America for the last two, three years now since COVID began has really been struggling. You have a lot of people in this country that have gone without food. They've gone hungry. They've lost their businesses. They've lost their homes. They've lost their cars. 
they've lost their income. I mean, you, you have beauticians that couldn't go to work, you know, the mom with three kids at home. Uh, you know, they, they it's been hard. It's been hard, and I can't imagine what it's been like in some of these other nations that even had more uh, oppressive rules than we had here. I, I'll just give you one example. My my wife's uh, mom and dad both passed away within about six months of each other in New Zealand. She couldn't even go home to the funeral. They wouldn't let her in. And she's a native Kiwi, you know. Uh, no, no travel. Country's locked down. So she couldn't go pay her last respects to her own mother and father. And that's the stuff that's been going on. And she struggled. I mean, it was a struggle in our home for several weeks over that. Uh, I mean, a lot of pain and anguish. And you had that going on all across this nation. And I got to believe that that is some of what's going on here, a good portion of it. People are panicking. People are upset. You, you have a lot of people on the right like us that think, oh, my God, the commies are taking over. You know, they're, doing, they're destroying the country. You got people on the left uh, upset, you know, about, uh, tyranny or whatever, you know, their their deal is. I, I think a lot of this has to do with mental uh, breakdown and mental disease. I really do. I think, like I said, I'm not a professional therapist or psychologist or anything, but that's my initial feeling. Well, I've been thinking about this for quite a while, actually. Why? You know, why are we having all these school shootings? Why are people just... Walking in, you know, it's like the um, the guy the other night at Walmart. You know, he walks in, calls his managers from the different department into the break room, and then starts killing them. You know, why? Why? Why, why would you do that? You know, and he claimed it was because he had he was working too many hours and whatever, whatever. But. You, you don't just go randomly start shooting people unless there's a problem there. Right. Well, I mean, it. I think you clued on part of it earlier, because in our earlier discussion back in the first hour, you mentioned about how as long as you're not causing harm, you have to let people vent. People need to feel heard. That is at the heart of a lot of the political uh, strife that we currently have in the country. You have better than half of the country at any given point in time that just feels unheard. But we also have this concerted effort now where younger and younger people are being targeted for uh, grooming into a form of behavior that is not within nature's laws. Uh, and if anybody like you or I call them out on it, Ken, if we say, hey, stop sexualizing children, stop having drag queen story hours for five-year-olds at the school library, let's take uh, same-sex pornographic materials out of the school libraries, we're called bigots, we're called haters, when all we're trying to do is protect children who should be allowed to be children, and yet we see major media companies like Disney and Nickelodeon in particular put a whole lot of content out that's designed to further their confusion. They say, 
Well, it's so that they'll understand that it's natural and not that big of a deal. But in truth, we know what it's about. It's about an indoctrination to engage in confusion. Now, in the past, Ken, uh, again, I, like you, I'm not a professional in psychiatry or psychology, but I've had the chance to talk to multiple people who, in fact, are legitimately uh, in those fields. And they've made it quite clear that what we're seeing in this uptick uh, of the transgender craze for uh, our younger folks, it, it is a social contagion. It is about being othered. It is about wanting to be part of something, especially if you happen to be Caucasian. Uh, well, then you've got to have some way to prove that you're not part of the great oppressors. So you've got to be in some other group. And so where you've had uh, gender dysphoria in the past, uh, these kids who ordinarily actually suffer from it typically grow out of it without any other type of treatment. They typically grow out of it on their own as they complete puberty. In very rare cases, sometimes it might linger into their early 20s, but almost always goes away. This well, effort... Tim, I've, I've got a... Tim, I've got to tell you something that happened to me today. As a matter of fact, my daughter calls me. Uh, she lives, my daughter lives in Santa Rosa, California, and she works in the Napa Valley. And she's educated. She manages uh, at some level, I'm not sure what, one of the biggest wineries out there. She's paid a lot of money. She's educated, drives a BMW, does everything, you know, north, like Northern Californians do, you know, wears Birkenstock shoes and whatever, whatever. But at any rate, we got off on the subject of this transgender thing somehow, some way. I'm not quite sure how it came about. Uh, but she made the comment of her good friend who uh, kept calling him he, and she said, and he had his breast chopped off, and he had his, you know, has gone through the operations and all that. And I said, honey, he's not a he, he's a she. I said, God made two genders, male and female. She got so angry with me for saying this that she hung up on me. Yeah. I kid you not. My own daughter... Is, is And she's 40 years old, and like I said, college degreed and a professional and all of that. And she is now bought into all this. She was raised on Rush Limbaugh. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the way she was raised. And, uh, and it just blew my mind. It absolutely blew my mind. And I'll tell you one other one real quick. You're talking about wanting to fit in with the thing. My brother calls me. This is two items that happened in my direct family. My brother calls me recently, and he's really, really upset because his daughter uh, is getting a divorce. Well, okay, that's normal, except the fellow that she married was from India, and he's just walked away and doesn't want to pay child support or anything. This guy earns a quarter of a million dollars a year, you know. And my niece is a professional nurse. She's a registered nurse, and she's an RN and, and has been very successful in her life. She's in her early 30s now. And 
my brother asked her, why did you marry this guy? Yeah, they've been married now, I think, three or four years. And they got married here and then at the Grand Canyon. Then they went to India and did their ceremony over there. Mm-hmm. And uh, turns out she married him because she wanted to be woke and <laughs> fit in. So she needed to marry a brown-skinned man. I'm dead serious, Tim. She married this guy. I had a baby. I got a little grandnephew and a grandniece now because she wanted to fit in and be cool and be woke. Yeah. The only reason she married him. And she's a very attractive young lady, by the way. She could marry anybody she wanted to. Very intelligent, very attractive, had it all going on. And married this guy from Calcutta because he had brown skin and asked her. <laughs> uh, yeah, and and that's where we're at with a lot of these folks. Uh, that it's become so important to uh, to be woke that they won't actually wake up and realize that uh, they should be living their lives based on merit. They they should be making these kind of decisions in their life based on what's best for them, not just because the crowd will approve or because the crowd will disapprove. Uh, I'm hoping that we can speed up the Joe Rogan uh, revolution. It's kind of what I'm calling it. But we see Elon Musk doing it. We see Joe Rogan doing it. We see, uh, uh, oh, now I can't think of his name, the comedian, uh, Dave Chappelle. We see these folks doing it. They have gotten to a point in their careers where they cannot be canceled. It's just they can't do it. Unfortunately, everybody else kind of feels like they can, and they don't want to be canceled. They don't want to be unpersoned. The the feel, and you mentioned the timing of the craziness being uh, uh, jacked up to level setting 11 now instead of 10 since covid and that has a lot to do with the fact that humans are social creatures. We we like socializing in general. There's a few exceptions like me. I'm, I'm going to go hang out in my cave and, and be a hermit when I'm done with all this business. I, I will talk to people through the modern uh, miracles of the Internet, but uh, don't come see me. I'm in the cave. I'm in the bunker. <laughs> Stay safely where you are. But, uh, ultimately, well. though, we're generally social creatures we like to have those relationships and we've had generations now multi-generations of young people come up through indoctrination that had started in colleges and then seeped down to high schools and now is all the way down to the earliest pre-k programs you can find one of the other stories i wanted to talk about has to do with the fact that there are teachers unions that are literally looking to sue school boards that are trying to stop the idea of critical race theory being taught in their schools because they claim it doesn't allow them a fair teaching of history when there's nothing in critical race history that is legitimate history. The 1619 Project has been criticized by every legitimate historian, even those who lean heavy to the left, and still yet the pressure is to conform and the pressure is to be woke. Well, and that you're 100% correct. It has been, you know, history 
I don't know how they're getting away with it. How how do you sit and teach totally fake history to somebody? This nation was not in the 1619 Project, just to clarify for those that may not be familiar. Basically, it teaches that America was founded as a slave state so that we could own slaves and build our nation based upon the backs of slaves. And nothing is further from the truth. Jamestown was 1619, by the way, that you're referring to. And they came here because of religious oppression. They wanted to worship freely. They didn't want to be part of the Church of England. They didn't want to be part of, like the pilgrims that came a few years after that to Plymouth Rock. The first slaves did get here. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was 1646. I believe it was the late 1640s. So it was some 25 to 30 years after Jamestown was settled and the pilgrims showed up, that the first British ship showed up with slaves. Uh, because at that time we were, you know, Britain wanted to make us a colony and all that. So, uh, they're the ones that showed up with the slaves. The first Americans did not. But that's not what they're teaching in school today. They're teaching that you should be ashamed because you were white. You were born. Because you were white, you automatically have white privilege over everybody else. Well, now we're finding out that's not true if you want to go to Harvard. That's not true <laughs> at all if you want to go to Yale. You know, the... the uh, the upper-level Ivy schools are even becoming prejudiced toward uh, white students that, that want to go to school there. They're being put aside and allowing other races to go to school ahead of you, even though your SAT scores were higher. That's irrelevant. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's a total reversal of prejudice. And it's going on nationwide today. We're we're not white privilege at all. We're having to fight to survive if you're Caucasian in this country. You know, it, 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 yeah, you're right, school board. Parents go and protest this to the school board and say, BS, bullshipping, we're not going to put up with this. And now they're arrested by the FBI. Joe Biden sent in the brown shirts to arrest us if we go and complain to the school boards because now we're viewed as domestic terrorists. Tim, our country is in trouble. We are in deep, deep trouble. And I got to tell you, partner, there's days when I honestly feel like we're losing it. Well, you know, that's, uh, that's part of how it's going to feel when you start winning. Because they're going to start punching back as hard as they can. They're going to pull out all the stops. They're going to try to intimidate us as much as possible. And that's when you're going to see things like in this Pennsylvania school district. This school district in Pennsylvania, Ken, they voted unanimously to defy any potential future litigation that would prohibit them from teaching critical race theory. The Pittsburgh school district. They passed the resolution that literally was said, we don't care if they pass a law, we're still going to do it. They say that that legislation would be harmful 
that that would hurt their ability, that it would be racist and sexist for them to pass it, so they were going to ignore it. And they're not the only school district that's talking about this. We know in other places where laws have been passed, teachers have been having uh, meetings to try and find ways around the law. We know they have to continue to indoctrinate because now we're living in a time where most of the educators and most of the administrators in the public schools have been indoctrinated themselves. They're so far gone down this rabbit hole, Ken, that they don't even know that they're the ones that are wrong here. They genuinely think that they have the right to do this, and nobody should tell them how to do their jobs. Nobody should have any type of control over them. They shouldn't be answerable to anybody. And we have got to continue to push back. We need more wins like we had in Virginia because we got – a very blue state to change who they put at the top of running the state government based solely on the fact that he promised to put parents first, and thank God he's honored that promise at least so far. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask all your listeners a question real quick, and uh, if Doug can get me some polling on this, how many of you want me to wind Tim up? I'm thinking <laughs> to wind Tim up big time. Can, do you mind if I do? Oh, good. Tim, they all agree I should wind you up. <laughs> How about these school boards and school systems that are now performing and passing out puberty blockers to little children who think they're a little girl instead of a little boy? You know, I don't know. They come to school in a pink shirt or something, and the teacher thinks they're a little boy who wants to be a little girl. So they're passing out puberty blockers and and uh, converting, you know, beginning the process of converting these children uh, into transsexuals when they're 8, 9, and 10 years old without parents' considerations or approval. What do you think about that? They're doing that now. In addition to the the woke education process, they're now sexually altering our children without their permission, without parents' knowledge. Yeah, Ken, I'm are afraid we're going to have to take yet? our mid-hour break are you, are before you I get human? that wound up. <laughs> yeah, am, am I hearing the steam emitting from your earlobes? You're, you're hearing me apply a great right deal. It's happening in America. You're hearing me applying a great deal of duct tape around my head to keep it from exploding so I can still find all the pieces once that's done. Ken, stay right where you're at. We're going to take our mid-hour break. And uh, before we do that, let me throw out the call-in line. If anybody would like to call in and comment as we uh, go into the home stretch here, that number is 985-2180-185. Give it a call if you want to join me and Ken. We've only got about 30 minutes after this break, so feel free to do so. Otherwise, Ken's just going to keep getting me wound up, and I'm just going to go ahead and have a stroke. (laughs) We'll be back right after this. (laughs) You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. Hey, Joe. Joe Biden. I'm Joe Biden's husband. Thank you. Thank you, George. Money. Money. 
I'm so tired of trickle-down economics. And I never found that trickle-down on top of my head very much. I was listed, I was had the great pleasure of being listed as the poorest man in Congress for 36 years. I still had to make a hell of a lot more money than anybody else because I was getting a senator's salary. No kidding. I didn't think you should make me Who says that government doesn't want to replace both God throughout society and parents in the lives of America's children? Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. Once upon a time in the land called the United States of America, it was recognized that parents had a God-ordained right and authority to train up their children in the way that they should go so that they don't depart when they are older. Also, school teachers were expected and paid to teach the rigors of math, science, language, history, physical education, and reflect the high moral standards that were taught by parents and in churches. Of course, there were always those lurking about longing for the day to destroy our republic from within by dumbing down education and indoctrinating students into becoming useful idiot robots voluntarily helping to destroy our republic from within. Hmm. In recent years, jackbooted government enforcers have physically attacked parents for speaking out against replacing good education with smut. Parents in Dubornistan, Michigan, were recently told by school board president Roxanne McDonald. Their concerns don't matter. So now parents have retained the services of a reputable law firm and are taking the abusive Dearbornistan, Michigan school board to court. I'm hoping and praying those parents are victorious. I'm Ron Edwards. Enjoy the Ron Edwards American Experience daily to find out where. Go to theronedwards.com. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. This man who, just down at the entrance of his building, there was an elderly lady selling pretzels. And every day he'd go by and he'd put a quarter down and never take a pretzel and go on in. He was being very charitable. And this went on for some time. And he came along one day, put down his quarter, started, and she took him by the arm. And he looked at her and he said, oh, you probably want to know why for this full year I've been leaving 25 cents on the plate and not taking a pretzel. And she said, no, I just wanted to tell you that pretzels are 35 cents now. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. This is Amy. This is Az. Me too. Sharing the night. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back and we are in the home stretch. We try to end things out on a positive note, and Ken is trying to make my head explode. And I'm sure he's going to get there before we're done. He's got me pretty close right now. Ken, again, thank you so much for being here tonight. I greatly appreciate the time we get to spend together on air. And, uh, you know, we were uh, talking about this craziness that's going on, and we kind of jumped off from 
this Club Q shooting in uh, Colorado Springs and how the media was kind of treating this. And it's still, I want to go back and, and circle around to the fact that here we are, we saw the mainstream media jump to an assumption and try to sell, 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 because they wanted to get people worked up. They wanted people to go commit acts of vandalism like we saw at Focus on the Family's headquarters, which is also in Colorado Springs. They wanted people to go out, and, and I'm convinced, I'm convinced, and, and you can correct me if, you're, if I'm wrong here, you can tell me that I'm just being an idiot, but I'm convinced that a large number of people that were pushing this narrative want violence as a result of this, but they want to make it seem like conservatives, particularly Christian conservatives, are at the root of everything that's wrong in the country, and they uh, turn these uh, young people who's already confused, already not been taught how to utilize critical thought, and they want to wind them up and turn them loose as a weapon against us, and we have to play defense not only from the political operatives at the top in the arena of ideas, but also have to keep one eye uh, <laughs> on these young folks that believe in violent revolution and think that we're the bad guys. Well, I don't know if you've seen it over the last few days, particularly since the uh, the Q nightclub shooting, uh, but they're blaming Fox News. They're blaming Tucker Carlson. They're blaming all of these shootings on on uh, conservative news outlets that we've programmed people to hate these groups of people and what have you. And uh, and that's why they're acting out and doing what they're doing, because they fear us. And that's what they're putting out there. Uh, Tucker, the other night, had on his program, he showed... I don't know, a half a dozen news clips from CNN and MSNBC and NBC News and what have you, where the newscasters or narrators or presenters, whatever you want to call them, were directly saying this. They they weren't, you know, uh, waxing over gray areas. They were directly accusing uh, your conservative news outlets like Fox and Newsmax and what have you, of perpetuating this violence. Mm -hmm. And, I, I mean, I'm stunned. I'm just, hey, look, man, like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't tell anybody. I'm very, very careful in my tweeting and have been for several years about what I put out. I'm very careful about it. And I always say no violence. You know, I'm one of the few anymore that's preaching the revolution in this country, but it needs to be done at the back, not not at the end of a gun. And uh, we need to do it constitutionally, and we need to do it right away where nobody gets hurt. But um, there are people, people are wrong, and they truly are. The American people have had enough. At the end of their wick, as we like to say down south. Yeah, it's just, it, it continues to boggle my mind, though. I mean, right off the gate, we heard people trying to blame uh, Lauren Bobart. Uh, obviously, uh, Tucker Carlson is their favorite target over at Fox right now because he's probably the most influential voice over there right now. Uh, he's managed to get a 
bigger following than uh, Sean Hannity does now. I think uh, as much as I like Sean, I think he uh, lost a lot of his uh, independence following uh, when he became kind of a shill for Donald Trump. Kind of the same way I feel about Breitbart News. It's like, look, uh, there's plenty of good things to talk about. Let's not ignore the the bad things, though, because that's the only way we're going to help Trump be better. Uh, and I think a lot of folks kind of feed into this, like all of a sudden, if it comes to a certain topic, we don't feel like we can trust you to tell us the truth anymore. Whereas you never had that loss in trust in Tucker. So he becomes the big target over there because he's still the most effective at reaching the most people. Uh, but no matter who they want to blame, you see the one thing that's obvious is they do not want to take any responsibility themselves. They don't want to talk about the guy who showed up looking to kill uh, Kavanaugh, a Supreme Court, a setting Supreme Court justice, who admitted he was there to kill him. They don't want to talk about the guy who showed up at the congressional baseball game a few years back, who asked specifically, uh, where are the Republicans? Uh by the standards they're trying to set for conservatives, they should have been calling out Bernie Sanders then, too. Did they? No. Did you hear conservatives say, hey, go get Bernie? No, because we understand that an individual has to make those choices, and whatever the rationale, they're still the one that's responsible. Even if it is mental illness, we need to work on trying to correct the problems. We need to get to the bottom of whatever is actually causing them, the root of that problem. And you're not going to get that just by trying to turn every death in America into a political issue. And unfortunately, Ken, it, it feels like literally everything has become a political thing, at least in and around the Beltway, oh, and then radiated out. Ab ab absolutely. Remember Maxine Waters. If you see him at a restaurant, if you see him at a gas station, if you see him, you know, and she went down this list. You know, you're supposed to get in the face of conservatives and assault them. Remember when she said that a few years back? Mm -hmm. You know, and, and they do it every day. You know, they they tell her, and, and we wonder why we have courthouses burned down and police stations in Portland burned. And part of the problem, excuse me, part of the problem is the right is afraid to do anything. They're afraid to say anything. They're afraid to, or is it that they don't want to? You feel like going down a rabbit hole for a minute? <laughs> uh, it's one we've been down together before, so why not? It's familiar territory, Ken. Go right ahead. <laughs> is it that the right, you know, Donald's a rhino, well, Mitchell's done a lot of good, too. I mean, he kept Merrick Garland off of the Supreme Court, so hats off and God bless him for that. Uh, why did he pull the money from the Senate campaigns that we felt like he could have won? You know, he pulled the $3 million out of Pennsylvania. He pulled millions out of Masters' campaign uh, out in Arizona and all that. Why did he do that? Who's behind the World Economic Forum, and what is it that is the goal of the World Economic Forum? Well, the goal of the World Economic Forum, I mean, they flat say it on their, uh, they flat say it on their website. It's to equalize the world. 
and bring down America and Great Britain and these other very wealthy nations, Germany and so on and so forth. It's to bring us all down by stripping our wealth. And the only way they can do that is by destroying our society. They have to destroy our society, destroy the family unit, destroy Christianity, our our moral base, our moral system. They have to destroy all that so that they can destroy the nation, so that they can equalize us with Zimbabwe, which is their goal. And it flat says, go, hey, America, go go to the World Economic Forum website. I think it's worldeconomicforum.org, I believe, is the website for it. Go read it. Go read what it says. Go read what their goals are in their mission statement. You're going to be shocked. And then apply what you see happening in our country today to what their goals are. And it's going to stun you. You're, you're going to be sickened by what's going on. And make no mistake about it. Joe Biden's part of it. Barack Obama's part of it. They're all part of it. The swamp is all part of it. You got to destroy our judicial system. Look, look at what they're doing to President Trump right now. Yeah, a little bit of that may be justified, but for the most part, they make no bones about it. They're not even hiding it anymore. The Democrats aren't even trying to hide it. They have to keep him off the ballot. They have to stop Trump because Trump was dismantling all of this. He was truly trying. I'm not a, I'm not a blinded Trump acolyte. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I am angry, a little bit angry with him about a couple of things. But the man genuinely has America at his heart, and he knows what's going on, and he was trying to stop it. That's why he fought so hard, one of the reasons about that and ego. But he was truly trying to save the country from what's happening today, from what's transpiring today. I know it sounds a little bit tinfoil hat, and you may think I'm crazy, but everything I'm saying can be verified. I'm not saying anything that you can't look up for yourself. I'll shut up now. Sorry. (laughs) <laughs> oh, no, no, there's no need. I, and you're not saying anything that I haven't already said here on the air a multitude of times. Uh, Charles Schwab is a uh, a man who's made quite clear his intentions, despite the American political left's effort to tell us that the Great Reset is nothing more than a conspiracy theory. Charles Schwab literally wrote the book, The Great Reset, and again, tells us exactly what that point is. And as you lay it out, it's to equalize the world. And the bottom line here is the left understands, well, the upper echelon of the leftist leadership clearly understands they cannot elevate everyone to equality. They can only tear folks down to get there. They can't guarantee a great outcome. They can only guarantee the terrible outcomes, which is why the whole idea of this transition uh, from equality to equity is such a bad deal. Uh, People need to understand that once upon a time, equity meant something very different. And of course, the left has done their little word game 
They've tried to change the meaning of stuff again, and they've got you thinking that now equity is about getting a equal uh, outcome for typically disadvantaged people. Equity means that you put in effort and gotten value from that effort. You've got skin in the game. You've earned part of what it is that you're getting. That's what equity is, not the leftist idea, but now everybody goes along with it. Instead of equity, you should want equality. You should want equal opportunity to do the best that you can do, not equity of a guaranteed outcome because those guaranteed outcomes are never going to be great for anybody. And you will still notice, if, if you haven't been paying attention yet, if you happen to be a leftist and you just haven't caught on yet, they're still not preaching equity for where they're at. They don't want to elevate you to how great and rich and wealthy they are. They want to make sure that you are on par with the lowest of the low. That's it. And until we come to recognize that words have meaning and words have power, and we start treating that as such, we're going to keep falling into the same trap, Ken. So uh, I say preach on, brother. The Great Reset, like you put out in your recent piece over on the daily, uh, conservative daily briefing, uh, it, it is real. It is happening, and it's it's been going on. And now they are so out and in the open about it that all you have to do is look it up. Same thing with Black Lives Matter Incorporated. They had it on their website. Uh, part of their goal was to tear down the traditional family. They have to. If they can't destroy faith and they can't destroy family, we will never give in to government tyranny. It's just that simple. A person well, of faith... I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, Tim. I feel abused. I think I was shortchanged. I should be as handsome and rich as Brad Pitt. <laughs> Where's my equity? I want my equity, damn it. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I can't argue with that point. Uh, you, you should file a complaint with, um, I don't know, who takes those complaints? Uh, Nancy Pelosi stepping down. I don't know, down. but I'm going to find out. I want my, I want my reparations. <laughs> Uh, maybe Sheila Jackson Lee is who you need to send that to now. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> Maxine Waters. Yeah, I want to call a girl down there in Atlanta that ran for governor, Stacey Abrams. Maybe she can help me out. Uh, I don't know. She can't even seem to win the election that she says she never lost. So, <laughs> although, <laughs> imagine how that works. Uh, I, although, uh, I don't know if you're a fan of Star Trek or not, uh, Ken, but uh, she did manage to get uh, herself named President of the Earth uh, in Star Trek Discovery. I, uh, one of the scariest cameos I have ever seen. <laughs> you're kidding me, right? Oh, uh, no, sir. No, sir. Uh, over on Paramount, they, they have a show called Star Trek Discovery in its third season. Uh, they were trying to put the Federation back together. And uh, Earth had left the Federation, and Vulcan had even changed its name and was a different planet to now, and all kinds of crazy stuff. But uh, Stacey Abrams played the role of President of Earth. Yes, sir. <laughs> That's the closest President she's ever going to be. I, she probably gonna make Barack Obama mad because that's what he's he's working towards, President of the World. Well, I, I think uh, he's looking yeah. to be the next head of the new federation, and that's a that's a bigger deal. 
Uh, it, is, it is crazy though. We 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 live in crazy times oh, where the no. bad guys are out in the open, and the good guys like, are being uh, called the bad guys. And I, I like uh, I, I like John to approach on yeah. Yellowstone. Take him to the train station. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, that's that's not a bad approach to get things done, but it does feel <laughs> a little kinda like the um the the that guy over in Germany, uh, with the funny looking mustache. He had a similar approach oh, with the yeah. train station. So yeah, that's maybe, true he did. Maybe, yeah, maybe we shouldn't <laughs> go down that road. <laughs> Take him to the train station. Anyway. Who would have thought Costner would have started a new lexicon in America? <laughs> Let's go to the train station. Yeah, I certainly anyway. wouldn't have missed it. Uh, you know what? I, I actually, now that you mentioned uh, Yellowstone, which I know you happen to be a big fan of, I saw some of your postings on the uh, premiere the other day. Uh, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I came across uh, an article where... Uh, Guy was talking about how he was proving that Twitter has no real idea what we're doing in America. Because, you know, everybody, all the blue check marks before Elon got there used to make such a big deal about whatever's trending on Twitter is the it factor, even in mm -hmm. entertainment and culture. And they put a whole bunch of stuff forward that meets the narrative. But there's a whole ton of uh, people under the age of 30 that have still yet to even hear about Yellowstone. In fact, some of them are only hearing about it now because they're talking about it on the entertainment news shows. Uh, so you're like two, three seasons ahead of a lot of Americans. And again, this was because people that typically don't get on Twitter are the ones that are still making the actual hits. Uh, politics is downstream from culture. Culture is big. We've been losing the culture war. Is Yellowstone a possible touchstone towards getting back to winning the culture war for conservative values? Because I know they claim that they're not culture uh, conservative, but they do actually show a lot of conservative values in a positive light, whether they that's their intention or not. Is that a touchstone that maybe well, helps us to start winning the culture war? I I don't know, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about Kevin Costner that I know firsthand. Yeah. I was at uh, I was at the uh, uh, saloon number ten in Deadwood, South Dakota, one night playing poker, and it was right around midnight. Now, I don't know if you knew this or not, but Kevin's got a brother, Dan, who used to have a drinking problem. And uh, Dan was sort of the black sheep of the family. So Kevin, being super rich, takes care of his brother, right? So he goes to Deadwood, and he went there when he was filming Dances with Wolves and just fell in love with this whole town. Well, they legalize gaming. So he goes and buys this shop from a lady named Carla for a million dollars. The, when the, immediately when they legalized gaming, the real estate values in town just exploded, right? And Deadwood's a little bitty town in the Black Hills. It's where Wild Bill Hickok died with the famous hand, the aces and aces, or aces and eights that they call the dead man's hand. 
So long story short, uh, Costner would show up periodically once every couple of months. They even had to go in to the Spearfish Airport. It used to be a grass runway, and they put in a a 6,000-foot concrete runway so Costner could land his golf stream at the airport, right? (laughs) So (laughs) that's how big a deal Costner became in Deadwood. So uh, he would show up periodically and check in on his brother in this little casino that he opened up for him and with this nice restaurant on top of it and everything. And he shows up at the saloon number 10 one night about midnight. He goes everywhere. He's got two bodyguards with him, and these guys look like they were linebackers for the Chicago Bears, right? And uh, they're huge. And he sits down at my table directly across from me at the same table I'm playing at. And the waitress comes over and says, hello, Mr. Costner, could I bring you something to drink? Well, he already had nine too many. And he says, hey, darling. And he reaches up underneath her skirt and pulled a Donald Trump arm. She screamed, the bouncers show up, and they got about six of them in there that are all about six, eight, and 400 pounds. And Costner's guys pull their guns, the bouncers pull their guns, <laughs> and they say, you need to get your boy out of here. <laughs> I got to watch Kevin Costner escorted out of saloon number 10 after he very inappropriately introduced himself to a waitress. <laughs> <laughs> but the guy actually has a heck of a sense of humor, and he's got a lot of cowboy in him. He really does. And he's fascinated by the old West. That's why he made Dances with Wolves and all that. He uh, He's actually a heck of a nice guy. And uh, anyway, he so you're asking about Yellowstone. I, I do think there is a lot of stuff in there where they may be trying to do their little bit to try to turn things around a little bit and Mm -hmm. offer up some cowboy. Because cowboys have a, out west, have a sense of honor code. And they they adhere to that code very, it's called riding for the brand. You know, you defend the ranch you ride for, you defend its values, you defend... A handshake still means something. You know, out of all, this is true, you may not know this, out of all the campaigns that I've worked for in my lifetime, which is quite considerable, and campaigns that I've managed, which is quite considerable, I have never once signed a contract. Everything I've done, I've done on a handshake. Because a handshake means more to me than any signed contract. If I shake your hand and tell you I'm going to do something, I do it one way or another, or I'll die trying. If I tell you I'm going to work a certain amount of hours, if I tell you I'm going to work for a certain amount of money, I don't ever renege and go back on my word. Because if a man doesn't have a word of honor, he has nothing. I don't care how much money he's got. I don't care how famous he is. I don't care who you are or what you are. If your word's no good, then you're not worth knowing. And that's the way I view life, and that's the way Costner views it, too, believe it or not.
Well, you know what? That's I'm what glad to hear. That's what all about. That is pretty much where we need to make a return to, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that's going to have to be it for tonight. First, uh, before we say our goodbyes, Ken, thank you so much once again for joining me, and I appreciate uh, you sharing the stories as well. Always great to hear firsthand. Uh, remember, ladies and gentlemen, uh, no matter what else we've got going on, we do have a nation to save, but uh, we have the idea of family to save. and. We're in the holiday season now, and regardless of whatever faith you may follow and whatever holidays you may uh, celebrate, whatever gods you may worship, at the end of the day, if you're in this country and you're a citizen, you are our brother, and you have the opportunity to be a fellow patriot. We ask you to join us and see if you can't find a little bit of cowboy in yourself. Uh, ride for the brand. Ride with some honor. Uh, Ken, again, thank you so much. Uh, you know it's what, always Doug? my honor, Tim. It's always a pleasure, sir. Yes, sir. Doug, take it away, my friend. Uh... Don't take my definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. Hey, Joe.
is using both hands. Using both hands. <laughs>